Good morning. This morning, we uh, continue on in the sermon series on No Longer Slaves. It's a look at the book of Deuteronomy from the eyes of the Israelites who uh, have been freed uh, from their time in Egypt as slaves and given this uh, freedom. Today, uh, we're going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 22, uh, to talk about a new way of fear, a new way of fear. Remember, these Israelites were fearful of Pharaoh. He's the one who killed their children. He's the one that uh, raised the amount of work and the production they had to have in order to make these bricks, and he's the one that were so awful to them. And then God says in Deuteronomy 10, to fear the Lord. And that's what we're going to read about today. Starting in verse 12, it says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord with all of your heart and all of your souls, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own Good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the other nations, as it is today. He says to circumcise your hearts, therefore, do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and great God. He's mighty. He's awesome. He shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him. Hold fast to him. Take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you the, these great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your father forefathers who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Let's pray together. Father, as we bow our heads, I pray that our hearts would also bow before the great, awesome, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, God of Gods. You are great, you are mighty, you're merciful, you're full of justice. As we study this morning, our simple prayer is that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to your word. I pray that, Lord, your spirit will move among us that we can understand you more clearly. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you ask my family, what is my greatest fear? They would tell you it's tornadoes. I lived in Indiana for 17 years. Jovelin's my tornado sister. We both fear tornadoes. <laughs> I lived in Indiana for 17 years. Believe it or not, I never saw a tornado. But somehow I'm, I'm terrified of them. I have reoccurring nightmares of my home being destroyed by tornadoes. The very fact that I'm talking about this today probably secures the fact that I'm going to have a nightmare tonight, right? And I, when I first moved to Tennessee, I remember we had a tornado warning in Knox County. I uh, gathered Jessica and our cat in our bathroom. I had my, my phone out just kind of looking for updates, hiding until the storm passed. Nothing landed. Our home and family were fine. But my heart was racing. The official term for the fear of tornadoes is Lylosophobia. Lylosophobia. It's an unhealthy fear of tornadoes or hurricanes. I'm not sure how unhealthy my fears were, but they were definitely real. So by a show of hands, how many of you guys are afraid of heights? We've got a few. All right. How many of y'all are afraid of public speaking? All right, Colby, you're preaching next week. How many of y'all are afraid of snakes? Boyd, I think you raised your hands on everything so far, buddy. Oh, okay. How about spiders? All right, all right. David Powell loves spiders. He didn't put his hands up. We all have fears, right? And so when we approach this passage this morning and we think about the fear of the Lord, we've got to kind of wrap our mind around what God is asking of his people. Because I, I don't believe that God wants his people to fear him like they did Pharaoh. I don't think God wants them to fear him like he does public speaking or spiders or claustrophobia, right? But Moses starts out by asking, what does the Lord your God ask of you? I thought we sang a song called, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And in 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but, fear, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So what, what does God want from us? Does he want us to fear him? Or maybe he wants us to revere him. J.A. Spender put it this way, fear God, yes, but don't be afraid of him. Fear God, yes, but don't be afraid of him. There's a clear difference and distinction between fear and reverence. The fear of God found here in Deuteronomy is best defined, I believe, by Timothy Keller, who once said, to fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and his 
love. Let that sit up there for a minute as you think through the implications. I love verses 14 and 15 in our passage because it finds this beautiful balance that supports this definition, right? To the Lord belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. He's great, he's awesome, he's mighty, he's powerful, he's big. And yet, it says, he set his affection on you. A really big God who loves you and demands a fear of reverence. And in that fear of reverence, in that fearing of the Lord, you will have a changed life. And I think our passage gives us some ways that our lives could be changed if we have a healthy, reverent fear of God. The first word I want to share with you is obedience, and I think maybe you saw that in the passage. Time and time again, he kept repeating himself, right? Fear the Lord and obey his commands. Fear the Lord, verse 12, and walk in his ways. Fear the Lord, verse 13, and observe the Lord's commands. Obedience naturally follows a healthy, reverent fear of God. When you see God and are overwhelmed in his greatness and overwhelmed in his love, you can't help but obey. I read a guy's testimony this week I wanted to share with you. He said, a number of years ago, I was looking for a publisher for my first book, he said, and I was approached by a nationally known publishing company. And when that publisher gave me his proposal, the deal seemed too good to be true. I couldn't believe it, that such a major publishing house was interested in my book, he said. But the more my wife and I prayed about it, the more we felt uneasy. And we both agreed that God was not leading us to move forward. We were not given the peace. Nevertheless, the publishing house kept pushing and pushing. And after weeks of hearing from them, I finally gave over, he said. And over time... I suppressed the lack of peace and I moved forward against the Holy Spirit's leading and my wife's caution and I signed the deal and it was disastrous. Immediately after signing the deal, all kinds of trouble broke out. He said for a string of three months, he was continually sick and injured. I went from the flu to a viral infection, to a fever that lasted for three weeks. I had a knee injury that put me on crutches. Making matters worse, nothing seemed to be working out with the publisher. We couldn't agree on anything. The relationship was breaking down. But he said this, God was quite merciful to me 
in this situation and allowed me to see my folly. I'd put ministry, success before obedience to God. I admitted my error to God and my wife, and I was forgiven and cleansed. But why, he asks, why did I make that mistake in the first place? The honest answer was that his focus was on abundance rather than the fear of the Lord. His focus was on abundance rather than the fear of the Lord. The open door for logic and apparent success overrode what God was speaking to his heart. He goes on to say these words. When we fear God, we will obey him obediently and instantly, even if it hurts. Even if we don't understand. Even if we can't even see the benefit and to completion. Solomon, one of the wisest and richest of all the kings of Israel, said these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. After all he had accumulated, after all the abundance, after he thought through all that this world has to offer, he concluded this matter to fear God, obey his commandments. Obedience follows fear. It is wise to fear God and to keep his commandments. And it also leads to humility. Fearing God leads us to naturally obey God, but it also brings a sense of humility as you think of the greatness of God, as you're overwhelmed by his love. Moses uses the term to circumcise your hearts, to no longer be stiff-necked people. He says because of verse 17, right? For the Lord your God is God of gods, He's Lord of lords, he's great, he's mighty, he's awesome, God is overwhelming, and that naturally causes us to be humbled. Humility is a candid acknowledgement that we desperately need God, right? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says that humility, <coughs> humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are richer and honor and life. It reminds me of the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, right? Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector, and the Pharisee stood all by himself and he prayed, God, I'm so thankful that I'm not like all these other people, he said those robbers and the evildoers and the adulterers and even this tax collector, he said. He said, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I got. 
And then there's that tax collector who's standing at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. This Pharisee claimed to be obedient, but through his words, he proved that he was not humble. In his pride, the Pharisee was actually disobedient. The tax collector, on the other hand, feared God, therefore he put himself in a humbled posture, recognizing that obedience starts with reverence and humility. Do you see that? The difference between the two was the fear of God. The Pharisee claimed to be obedient. The tax collector, on the other hand, realized that his obedience only came through repentance and humility and reverence before a mighty, mighty God. So the fear of God leads to obedience, it leads to humility, and also leads to justice. Justice. And we see that in this passage as well that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves and provides even for the alien. And in verse 19, he reminds the Israelites that you too, you too were fatherless, you too were widowed, you too were aliens in Egypt, but God brought you out of that into a new land, which means to fear God means that we are also seeking justice in this new community. It was the psalmist who says in Psalm 130, verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And doesn't that seem right? But with you there is forgiveness so that you can, that we can, with reverence, serve you. And that makes sense. The psalmist didn't say, with you there is forgiveness, and therefore we love you. The psalmist says there is forgiveness, and therefore with reverence, with fear of the Lord, we serve you. I think forgiveness causes us to revere God, and therefore we return with behaving like God, forgiving others in this Example. His attributes become our attributes. God forgives, so we forgive. God loves, therefore we love. God seeks justice, therefore we seek justice. The fear of the Lord causes us to seek justice. David Pryor once wrote that justice and kindness are essential qualities of the nature of God himself. And they do not come down from heaven wrapped in parcels. The justice and kindness of God are essential qualities of the nature of God himself. And it's not like they fall from heaven in parcels, but they are expressed in and through the people of God who walk humbly 
with him. I have an embarrassing story to share with you. I played cards with some friends on Sunday afternoon, and there was this couple who had joined our table. And the wife uh, played some cards that were just, it wasn't a good move at all. It was just bad, bad playing. And we all knew that, but he, he made it evident. Started cussing. He was calling her names. And I uh, curled in a hall, I curled up into a ball. I felt like it, you know, like metaphorically. I was just like, oh, when will this end? But not Mick. This guy named Mick said, come on, man, stop it. And I just felt embarrassed because I sat there and said nothing. I sat by while injustice took place. And my spirit kept saying, speak up, speak up, speak up. And if I fear God, I would speak up for injustice. Why do we speak up for injustice? Why do we walk in humility? Why do we be obedient to God? Well, it's, it's because we fear him. We revere him. We acknowledge that his overwhelming power and might and love exists. And how can we stand in wonder and awe as we approach the communion this morning? It's because God in his majesty and God in his love did not sit idly by while we fell victims of death and sin. But God in his great justice and mercy and love sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. And as we take communion this morning, we reflect on the overwhelming feeling of reverence. Allow the fear of God to transform your hearts this morning to be obedient, humble people of justice in this broken world. Let's pray together. Father, I surely am grateful for your incredible love the love that you showed on the cross was so powerful, awe-inspiring that I pray that it changes our lives, that it transforms our hearts, that it conforms us to be in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we could be people of justice, we could be people who are obedient to you, people of humble hearts. I pray that we can reflect deeply on fearing you and what that means and what that looks like as we uh, celebrate this time of communion. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.